0: When I was a boy, I learned a lesson at church. It was in an unusual way. It was in the basement of the church. It was taught to me by a faithful deacon. So I was down there with Steve Davis in the basement of the church. And we were pitching pennies up against the wall. We were were playing a little betting game. Now this old-fashioned deacon came down the stairs and saw us doing that and said, Boys! What do you think you're doing in the house of the Lord? Betting. We didn't know we were doing anything wrong. Mr. Davis was trying to teach us that we needed to have reverence for the things of the Lord. I was standing in church one night, talking with people like you do, at a platform in the church kind of like this. At a communion table in front of the platform. Communion table was about the same height, as the platform and the person i was talking to all of a sudden got a horrified look on their face and looked over my shoulder i looked back and our youngest son wesley who was about three years old was walking out on the communion table i said hey wes we don't like we don't walk on the communion table that's a really special table wes that's a really special table the missionary in Africa one day saw some boys, and they were down on their knees, and they were playing down by a river, a game that he recognized that he played in his childhood. They were, they were playing a game of marbles, but they didn't have marbles. They had, they had these little things they had dug out of the ground, and they were shiny. They were sparkly things, these, these little African boys had dug out of the ground. After a while, the missionary knelt down with him and said, can I have one of those? And he took it, and sure enough, it was... Uh, it was a diamond. These boys were, they were playing marbles with, with diamonds. Not us, though. We, we're not the kind of people that are irreverent in church or anywhere. Am I right? We're not the kind of people that treat the communion table like any old table. We don't play marbles with diamonds, do we? No, we don't. Because we're the kind of people that we, we know that there are certain things that are sacred. There are certain things that just call forth reverence, reverence, holy awe, fear, love, service, worship. In the death of our Lord Jesus, this was one of those things. You know, the scriptures talk about the death of Christ throughout the epistles, obviously in all four of the gospels. The scriptures also talk about the death of Christ prophetically in the Old Testament. As a matter of fact, I want to read from Isaiah 53 again. We just read from Isaiah 53. I want to read again from Isaiah 53 and tonight from the New Living Translation. It was about a year ago that I was in a a good Friday service. And for for the first time in in, in 37 years, I wasn't really a pastor anymore. I was a preacher, but I wasn't a pastor. I wanted to be a pastor, but my pastor ended in a really sad way. And I went to church that night, to a friend's church, and I, I went in quietly into the dark auditorium and my heart was crushed it was crushed and I kept thinking how could how could God let this happen to me you ever have that happen to you you ever have something happen that just crushes your heart and you just think God how could you let this happen to me And then they started to read the scriptures like we read tonight. And they started to sing the songs like we're singing tonight. And I just sat there and in my heart I said, I love you, Lord. I'll serve you, Lord. I'll I'll do anything you want me to do. And then they put Isaiah 53 up on the screen. And they read it. From verse 7 he was oppressed treated harshly he never said a word he was led like a lamb to the slaughter as a sheep is silent before his shearers he didn't open his mouth he was unjustly condemned he was led away and no one cared that he died without descendants that his life was cut short midstream he was struck down for the rebellion of my people but he had done no wrong he had never deceived anyone but he was buried like a criminal and put in a rich man's grave and here's the part that stood out to me that night but but it was the Lord's it was the Lord's good plan to crush him. It was the Lord's good plan to crush him. Probably like every Christian, you've always wondered why they call this horrifying day good. It was the Lord's good plan to crush him and cause him grief. Yet when his life was made an offering for sin, he will have many descendants, he will enjoy a long life, and the Lord's good plan will prosper in his hands. And the Lord's good plan will prosper in his hands. Isaiah 53, the New Living Translation. It was God's good plan to crush him. And when you have a crushing weight on you, you might look to the, up into the face of the Lord Jesus and realize that when God is doing something very, very good, will often use something very, very hard, something very, very sad, it's a good plan. And so we as Christians, we adore Him, and we love Him, and we serve Him. We also, we also trust Him, don't we? We trust Him. We trust Him. God, I, I don't understand You all the time, but I always trust You. God, I don't understand You all the time, but I always love You. One of the things that helps us is to just stand on the dusty street In judea and look up into the face of jesus who never sinned you know there were people who suffered physically worse than jesus longer there were people who suffered emotionally perhaps worse than jesus what makes jesus suffering so profoundly unique it's because nobody ever suffered spiritually like jesus no one no one was ever so perfect so sinless but to be stripped naked in front of sinful men and cursed and mocked and spit upon and beaten and tortured and and murdered and have as he cried out that he was forsaken of the father in the sense that when jesus died on calvary in those six hours on calvary he he died he was perfect sinless and he bore all of our sin in a mystery no human will ever fully understand that made his suffering profoundly worse than any man or woman ever have or ever will suffer. So I walked the Via Dolorosa one day in the spring, the way of suffering, the way to the cross. People were, it was through the south, through the, through the, through the uh, marketplace. People are all hawking their wares, you know. And, but it was in the spring of the year, and it was just before Easter. And I thought, this is probably the only time in my life I will ever walk this this way of suffering, this way that Jesus walked. And so I, you know, even though I'm very, I love good humor, and I love good company, and I love good banter, I didn't feel like talking that day. I wanted to walk the way that Jesus walked, and I wanted to think about him and what he did for me, and so I did. As we walked along that way, one of the places that they showed us was a place where they believe one of the trials took place, and some, and some guards were quartered. And they, they walked us over and they showed us a place on the ground where there was, a, there was a circle that they had etched deep into the stone. They say that was used for a game that soldiers would commonly play, a gambling game. You know, in all four of the Gospels, the writers go to uh, links to remind us that when Jesus was dying on the cross and naked in front of his mother, when they were mocking the king of the universe and when his life was bleeding out and the blood was pooling on the ground, at those soldiers were they were gambling for his robes. They were irreverent. At the feet of our dying Savior, they were. Every one of the gospel accounts reminds us, and it's in Psalm 22 and verse 18 as well. God wanted us to know that even where Jesus was dying, there were people who who were were being irreverent. They were playing petty games at the foot of the cross. Do you remember that there were malfactors, they're often called, uh, they might have been insurrectionists, they might have been murderers, they're called thieves that were dying on either side of Christ. Remember that? And you remember that they both mocked him, remember that? And you may also remember that during the hours that Jesus suffered in agony on the cross, he died with such a testimony, such a dignity, such a message, such such gravitas that some of the people around it, it, of course, there was the the miracle of the sky going black and the earthquake and graves bursting open. When Jesus was dying on the cross, some just continued to mock him, but others, they, they grew silent remember the centurion surely this was a righteous man but then there were these two malefactors and the one eventually said to the other what did he say to him don't you fear god don't you fear god that's what he said in the in the account in luke 23 don't you fear god and then he said a couple of very profound things he basically said jesus is perfect and we are guilty don't you fear god he never sinned and you know that we have and then he said something else very profound that's pretty well known he directly addresses jesus and he says to him remember me when you come to your kingdom what words did you say when first you followed christ did you say forgive me did you say save me did you say i believe in you did you say make me a christian doesn't really matter too much matters what he saw in your heart when when the when your faith was placed upon jesus and you realized he was perfect and you were guilty and your heart was filled with reverential fear for him the thief on the cross said he just said remember me when you come to your kingdom and then Jesus so beautifully said, "You're going to be with me today, in paradise. Today, you will be with me in paradise." There was a pastor, and he was a pastor in in Ann Arbor for a while. Uh, his name was Lloyd Douglas, and he was a gifted pastor. One of the things he did was he wrote a book. It was fiction. The book was fiction. It was a fictitious account of what might have happened to the soldier that eventually won the gambling for the robe of Christ maybe you saw the movie this haunted that soldier in 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 lloyd douglas's fiction this haunted that soldier for the rest of his life until until finally he became a follower of jesus and others became followers of jesus because he never could get away from watching jesus die and winning his robe in a gambling that was fiction But what an interesting story that is. The Puritans have thought deeply about Jesus' death. And tonight, I want to read to you a prayer that I have modified just a little bit for you so that you'll uh, also understand how sweet it is that Jesus Christ died for you. And so that your heart would be filled with with proper reverence and awe for him at calvary christ was plunged into anguish that you can have fullness of joy forever at calvary jesus was cast off so that you could be welcomed in he was trodden down as an enemy so that you could be welcomed as a friend on calvary he surrendered to hell's worst so that you could enjoy heaven's best. He was stripped so that you could be clothed. And he was wounded so that you could be forever healed. And on the cross, he was a thirst so that you could drink the water of life. Jesus was tormented so you could be comforted. He was made a shame so that you could inherit glory. He entered darkness so that you could enter into eternal light jesus your savior he wept so that all tears could be wiped from your eyes he groaned that you might have an endless song jesus endured all pain that you might have unfading health He wore a cruel crown of thorns so you could wear a diadem of glory. He bowed his head so that you could lift up yours. He experienced reproach so that you could be welcomed into the very presence of God. And he closed his eyes in death so that you could gaze on his brightness. And he died so that you could live forever. Love so amazing, so divine, demands my soul and my life, and my all. And to live in the light of the cross, to really understand and to see what Jesus did, is to say with the hymn writer, we're the whole realm of nature mine, that we're a present far too small, love so amazing, so divine, demands my soul, and my life, and my all.